scripture reading and sermon from our weekly worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The Old Testament reading is from the book of Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert, and they shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall, not, or shall stay green in the year of drought. It is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart, to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading Psalm 1, responsively by whole verse. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Our New Testament lesson is from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. For if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel.
Holy Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, it is good to be with you this morning after missing last week, because after almost two years of avoiding it, I finally got the COVID. The fatigue and the exhaustion from that nasty virus, I have to say, was not fun, and thankfully I'm feeling better now. I'd say I'm at about 93% capacity. And boy, am I glad that I had those vaccines and boosters, because I could not imagine how bad this would have been without them. And I also want to say that I'm grateful for, to work with wonderful colleagues who step in uh, last minute and fill in for me when um, I need to be out. It's good to work on such a lovely church staff. Now, on to the texts at hand so we can talk about fun things like blessings and curses and woes. Now, I don't know about you, but more often than not, when I read Jesus' words here in Luke from his Sermon on the Plain, which is similar to his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, but it's a little different. But anyways, today's text, when I hear about those who are blessed and those who are woed, I have to admit I get a bit uncomfortable. And I'm wondering if maybe that's true for anybody else today as well. I get uneasy because anyway, I look at this list of blessings and woes, I am in the woe category. And that's not a fun place to be. Now, I've mentioned this before, but there are several different websites you can go to where you can enter in your household income and it will tell you where you fall in the list of world's wealthiest people. Even the Washington Post a couple years ago in an article kind of dug into this idea of where do Americans fall in the list of richest um, households in the globe. And if you make $59,000 a year, you are in the top 9% of the world's wealthiest people. Ouch, when we then hear Jesus' words. 
In a time of the most severe income inequality in the history of humans, most of us fall within the category of wealthy, the not the hungry and the poor that Jesus is talking about being blessed today. So what do we do then when we hear Jesus' words of hope for those who are hungry and poor and those who are mourning? What do we do with those words of woe for us who are rich and overfed and content? Well, I think we sit with that discomfort. We recognize God's compassion and care for those who are struggling in life and in this world right now. Then we allow that discomfort and maybe even that guilt that we feel to motivate us to work for justice and change in this world on behalf of those who are overlooked in our society. Now, we don't do that work to earn God's blessing. Jesus has already done that for us through his death and resurrection. No, we do that work because through our baptism, where we are like those trees that we read in the Old Testament in the psalm, those trees that are planted by the streams of river, in our baptism, we are stirred by the Holy Spirit to action that bears fruit and change for our neighbor and for this world we live. That stream that the tree is planted by, for us as Christians, that's our baptism, right? Through God's steadfast love and faithfulness, then, we are assured in our baptism of God's love for us so that we then can go out and do this hard work that we are called to do. Jesus' message here today in Luke is one that is repeated time and time again which is something to the effect of the kingdom of God is completely different than the kingdom of this world. The reign or the rule of God, the way God intends for us to live is entirely opposite to the way that the world functions. God's righteous order turns the world on its head. And for those of us benefiting from the world's current way of sorting out those who are apparently worthy and blessed versus those who are not, this turning upside down of the world doesn't come across as good news. The kingdom of God makes us who have uncomfortable because we stand to lose something in this upheaval. But it also, for me anyways, and maybe it's true for you as well, the realization of this world being turned upside down is not good news, just shows me truly where my trust is placed. And it's not in the steadfast love of God. No, it reveals that my trust is placed really in the comforts of this world, in the wealth that I have and the stuff that I collect. But for those who are living under the unjust systems and are not given fair pay and who are oppressed by the greed of the wealthiest, turning the world upside down, that is good news. That's the best news and as we've, as we've heard countless times and here again laid out in Jeremiah in Psalm 1, we are to trust in God above all else, to shun the allure of wealth and power, to be like those trees planted by that stream bearing fruit. Now that is hard to do, especially when you have stuff. Trusting God and following Jesus Christ is not a path of ease and complacency. It's a path of reorientation every day, every hour, every minute away from the ways of this world and towards the love of God and the love of our neighbor. God redefines power as love and healing, not 
war and military might and oppression and ruling over and controlling. I have to say, I was struck this week by something in the gospel text that I hadn't really noticed before. It says that as Jesus was going around the countryside, and it lists some different um, areas that he was at, it says that people were coming to him seeking healing and to be released from their unclean spirits. And apparently word was spreading throughout the countryside about this man named Jesus, and that he could, in fact, change you through a simple touch. And then verse 19 says this, And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed all of them. The phrase, power came out from Jesus, kind of struck me, because the power that came out of Jesus was a power of healing and wholeness for everyone. Now, of course, when I read this, though, my first thought went to some kind of superhero, you know, like the Marvel superheroes we were talking about during the, the children's sermon, you know, big strong things like Thor or Captain America or cool stuff like Iron Man, where they have power and they usually use it to beat up the bad guys and they do it through fighting and punching and all these kinds of physical feats of conquering their enemies. That's the kind of power, right? But no, that's not what Jesus does. In all of the Gospels, I cannot think of one time that Jesus used his power to fight or defeat anyone, even though he is the Son of God. I'm not making a Thor comparison here, but you know, he's the Son of God, and yet he has this power and is used only for acts of healing and wholeness that are brought to people. People have been expecting God to send a Messiah to them who would lead with military and political might, one who would follow the pattern of this world and squash their enemies down, you know, that Thor or Captain America kind of Messiah that would come in and just beat up the bad guys. But who does Jesus or who does God send? Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus comes to show the world what God's kingdom looks like. To show them that there is another way of living that is counter to the way that they know. And this is called the kingdom of God. And God sent Jesus to live a life of love that pushed back against the powerful and ultimately those who had authority. And he was victorious not through feats of strength, but rather by taking on the world's hatred and corruption and power and sacrificing himself on the cross. Because the kingdom of God turns the world upside down. It's not what we expect. God does not do um, always what we are looking for God to do, but God does what God does best. Healing, wholeness, love. This is good news for the lowly, but it's ultimately good news for the world. Look at the world we live in right now where sable rattling and threats of war and invasion in Russia and Ukraine are clearly demonstrating to us the way of the world. Jesus says, don't look to those ways of the world. Don't look to the wealthy and powerful for how to live. And Jesus then gives his sermon here on the, uh, on the plain where he says, God, or, uh, blessed are those who are hungry and poor and mourning, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus says, Don't look to the wealthy and powerful and assume that they have achieved these things because God has blessed them. Jesus says it is just the opposite, actually. Blessed are those 
who are poor and sick and downtrodden because they shall experience the healing power of God. The kingdom of God does turn this world upside down and flips the script on how we are to live. This is good news for most and unsettling for many of us. And if it makes us uncomfortable, as it does sometimes, as God's word does, I think that is worth sitting with and honestly reflecting on. But Jesus' words today remind us that following Jesus isn't easy. It's a different path that doesn't strive to live by the world's values. As followers of Jesus, we seek the kingdom of God, and we long to be shaped and formed, not by this world, but formed by God's power of healing, reconciliation, and wholeness, which is good news for us, it's good news for our neighbors, and it's ultimately good news for a world bent on violence. May we be those who proclaim God's news and live out God's kingdom today and always. Thanks be to God. Amen.